All right. Well, we're on lesson 37. And Donna's going to be super prepared. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, that's... Okay, so we're looking at question number four on lesson 37. Must the Bible be read in its entirety to see its purpose? And just so you know, I didn't write this question. That guy sitting over there in the vest wrote that question. <laughs> it's a kind of a trick question. I struggle with it a little bit. What do you guys think? Must the Bible be read in its entirety to see its purpose? So I come from a lot of background where chronological teaching is really important. Um, I was I was involved with the Bible framework from Charlie Clough for years. Um, actually built the BibleFramework.com website. Uh, provided all those notes and supported that. Taught it a number of times. Miles was actually one of the one of the folks that worked through that with me early on years ago. So I've been pretty dedicated to a big picture understanding and chronological perspective of the scripture. Then we ended up moving to Canada, kind of not in order here in terms of the story, but we we got involved with Good Seed, where we also taught the Bible chronologically. But one of the things that Goodseed said in, as a ministry, Goodseed was an offshoot of uh, New Tribes Missions. So New Tribes Missions also took a chronological approach and developed it not only for their school but also and for their, their trainees, but also as a way to communicate to the tribal uh, audiences that they were communicating with and involved with. And so... There's just a steep amount of chronological, big picture, all the way through the scripture, in a broad stroke sense, in my blood. Like, that's just the way I think. So, if we're, we're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit here, and what's the Holy Spirit's involvement in uh, authoring the scripture? And that's that's just it. He is the author. So... Being an author of the scripture, is there any part of it that's not important to the purpose? Must the Bible be read in its entirety to see its purpose? I think it's uh, true that every bit of it is useful for understanding the whole the whole story. But the thief on the cross... Uh, a break and ended up in heaven with Jesus in one day and didn't know any of it. So, yeah, that makes sense. It does. So, let me clarify the question then. Or maybe I'll say this. It is, is just understand, understanding the gospel, understanding the purpose of the Bible. Yeah, I was going to say that, uh, I think it's really important. I, I share a lot of the same kind of background as you with the framework and good seed stuff and that kind of thing I, for a long time. And it does, it does come in contact with our evangelism because sometimes we're like, well, 
I don't have six weeks to back up and tell the whole story to get to the gospel. And it kind of some ways hampers that a little bit or can. I mean, it's good if you can set up all that with a person, but sometimes, you know, you got five minutes to get to the truth of the gospel. But, um, but I think there's something in our, our way of thinking. Maybe it's kind of a Western Greek way of thinking. I don't know, but it's, um, that we don't think that we understand something until we feel like we've got it completely wrapped up in our brains. So we, you know, got our hands completely around it. The problem is with the word of God is you're never going to have every detail tied up with a bow. You know, it's, there's always more and more. And so if we can't understand the Bible until we know all of it, well, we'll never understand it. But I think that the Lord allows us to understand truly, this goes back to something you taught me, the Lord allows us to understand truly without understanding fully every detail. Is that? Oh, I like that statement. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that we can understand the gospel in a very short amount of time. Um, but this question really speaks to the larger purpose of the scripture. And I think the gospel is a summarization of this exact thing, right? So, and we don't understand it all at first. Um, it will take a, mostly our lifetime to understand the fullness of God's purpose through the scripture. But there's a theme that Rideout talks about, um, and that theme is around the condition of man. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I, I do want to just say that it's not our job to, uh, maybe it is our job as teachers to to help un- help understand the purpose of God in Scripture, but it's not required fully to understand the gospel. So a lot of what Rideout's getting at with Scripture in this particular part, part of the book is just that God unfolds himself and, mm-hmm. and his purpose over time, and he unfolds it in humanity, a broken humanity. Um you know, this, this is not something like the Book of Mormon where you can write, you know, the kind of story you'd like to see man, uh, be in. Uh, this is a situation where man is revealed in his human condition consistently. So as we spend more time in the Word, it unfolds itself. The, the answer that I wrote to this question, must the Bible be read in its entirety to see its purpose? I said, well, kinda. I mean, it's a bit of a trick question. It doesn't mean you can't see the thread of God's purpose with the gospel itself, but understanding God's purpose is seen in its, in its entirety. Mike, is that a fair statement of the answer to the question that you're, you asked there? Yeah, um, I would, I would, uh, we define the purpose. We get, let's get there. Yeah. So let's move to question five because I think we're going to, I mean, hey, JD. <laughs> hey, Courtney. Hey, it's Courtney. Chiming in from. I have a few. I have a few minutes while I'm sitting here watching the work done, sitting in my truck. But uh, you know, the one thing awesome. I, I don't think you, you know the purpose, and maybe the purpose is you know I always go back to Galatians three twenty four and twenty five that the law was a tutor to point us to Christ. And once Christ came, we don't need that tutor. But I guess the point being is that the law and all before it points to Christ. So there is, there is the, 
the Old Testament that that all points to Christ, and then we move on from there once Christ came. So I don't think it's you know maybe Mike's getting to the thing. What is the purpose of it? Um, you know, for the gospel, and I think Russ had the point. You know, the thief on the cross, you know, didn't have all the background, but you know, he would meet him in paradise. And so, from the gospel standpoint, I think it's it's simple. But from the, the whole purpose of the Bible, I think the Old Testament pointed to Christ, and then we have the Christ and the cross, and then everything on the other side of the cross. So, I think Scripture. As, as a whole, <laughs> paints a picture before the cross and then after the cross. So I think there's a deeper understanding of Christ if you know the the background behind it. Yeah. No, absolutely. That, you're right. The law points to Christ. And then we have Paul, uh, which is the most recent revelation that we have that applies to what what we often refer to as this dispensation this church age. And so I'm trying not to steal from Miles in the next lesson <laughs> a little bit here. Um, but yeah, so let's talk, let's talk a little bit more about the Old Testament. Question five says, um, is the Old Testament a history of things as they are? That's a little bit, maybe, maybe we should say it. Is the Old Testament a history of things as human reality in human reality? You know, I mean, we know that that's true, right? The the book is a record. Uh, scripture was written by the uh, the, the Spirit, well, the Holy Spirit uh, directed the, the recording of all those events. And, and it is the history of the things as they are. And I think an interesting comment that Rideout made was that there's no forcing of events in an unnatural way or artificial way. And you would expect that if man going to write something down about himself, um, he would probably avoid some of the really n- naughty stuff, right? <laughs> you know, I'll leave this human characteristic out. I'll leave this one out. No, no, no reason to paint myself as, you know, uh, Noah, you know, coming out of uh, drunkenness. You know, no reason to record that part. Um, you know, Abraham struggling with his unbelief. Mm, probably don't need, I, how about we focus on that righteousness part, you know, that faith part that I had, not my unbelief part. Um, what are some other examples that you guys uh, have, have seen in the scripture where you see the raw, no forcing of events, this is the human characteristics of mankind. And the Old Testament does a really good job of, it brings out the nature of the of mankind. When Abraham was uh, thinking about letting Sarah be taken by the king, Bubba got the right Bible guy. But you know, it's like is, is that the right story where Abraham? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of like a shady thing, but. <laughs> but it's reality. It's funny you say shady, because that's, that's what the Old Testament has a lot of. Shady human characteristics. And we're like, oh, yeah, I kind of get that. You know, Moses had a, had a tremendous, 
you know, privilege of being a leader, a lawgiver, receiving the law. And yet what happens at the end? You know, that's not well, the legacy you want to leave. <laughs> but go ahead. Probably the one, probably one of the ones I think of the most is David, you know, man after oh, God's, God's heart. Let, let me, let me look out off the patio here and oh, there's Uzziah's wife. Hey, hmm. you know, here's man who, you know, that m- much of scripture is centered around and yet he fails. And, yeah. and <laughs> stupendously. And then he, then he gets Uzziah killed. So I think, I think it's Uzziah. I think the, um, yeah, has him go out and get him killed. There's, there's a sterling, uh, history or, uh, or background. So the man after God's heart. <laughs> well, you know, and you know, like these days, the guy who wrote the worship book or whatever, the, the ministry head of worship, you know, if he pulls off some stunt like that, he's fired and we get rid of his material so fast it makes your head spin. And here, David, the guy who wrote the whole worship book for, you know, the whole nation, is just lays it right out in front of us. Like, this is who he is. This is what he did, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I think that this reality in the Old Testament really brings out the absolute truthfulness of God's word um, it it doesn't paint a pretty picture but what it does communicate um, is a consistent mercy and grace that surrounds mankind in his absolute failure and without an understanding of the purpose of what God's doing with broken mankind you're not going to see the true God of the scripture uh, and the Old Testament absolutely represents a history of the way things are, even for us, right? So question number six says, any other thoughts there before I move on to question six? J.D., I think that, I don't know if that the purpose of the question, but I think I think it gives comfort. It's like with Romans 7 and Paul, you know, it it gives us comfort that, you know, are we, are we to be perfect or will we be perfect? Will, you know, are there, are, you know, sinful flashes, Romans, or Romans seven. I think it gets, it, it gives us, I think, an understanding of our humanness, <laughs> our sinful flesh. And, and, you know, he puts it in there that these guys all weren't just, you know, perfect saints. And, and does that mean we have to be perfect saints? So I think, I think there's, it's put in there to give us, I think, comfort <laughs> somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. We were talking the other night, um, about the hamster wheel of the law and how, uh, the law gives you a measurement of which to, to constantly evaluate yourself against. And here you see the law in the Old Testament. Um, and you see men, women, constantly trying to measure themselves and failing against it. Which brings up a, a, a reality that we need a savior. This is, we cannot hamster wheel ourselves through this life. Um, and Romans 7 is a really good example, Courtney, because from a New Testament perspective, now that hamster wheel is the sin nature and the principles of the law working in our hearts. Uh, as Gentiles, and it constantly causes us to measure ourselves and to see ourselves fail. Um, and 
without without having walked by faith, right? So that's where we're headed. But I think Rideout really, he has some, a, this whole chapter is just very great. There's so much content there that he talks about through the Old Testament. And as a review, we're not going to go into all of it. But I did want to look at the last question here, uh, question six. It says, why does the Bible point out all the faults of its characters? Um, and we've already started kind of talking about that. But you just can't find a, a book where the narrators describe their own shame consistently. You know, why would we do that? Writing their own, I mean, we're writing the history of our nation. And we're talking about the shame that went into the entire history of our own nation. So I wrote down this, and maybe we can talk about it for me here. But the, right out says, the purpose of Scripture was not to glorify man. And Courtney always talks about the glory of God is the ultimate purpose, is to glorify himself. So in the Scripture, there's no intention to really glorify man individually or even the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. It's really to unfold the way that God thinks. And I thought that, what do you think about that statement? It's the thoughts and counsels of God regarding the condition that man is found in. What's the condition? JD, unfortunately, I'm just going to tell you, i got to skip out here. <laughs> I've got to run out to the job site here. Okay. And, and, and wife, I will be there by the Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got a thumbs up. Okay. All right. Thanks, Courtney. Appreciate your thoughts yep. there. Have a good Yep. Yep. Take care. Yep. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Hey, JD, I wrote down that same quote from right out there. I think it's the, the one that Mike had in mind writing that question and but it is really it's really significant you know that uh, God's purpose was not to glorify man individually or nationally right but um, yeah it's just yeah that's a really uh, I, I guess yeah it really, for me like to, but to glorify himself the, the idea the whole idea is that um, through all of scripture we come to know him more more intimately, right? More personally, through every every verse of every page, it's all about knowing knowing Him as a person, right? I think you're right. Um, his thoughts and his counsels are not meant to be just uh, just that; they're meant to introduce you to a person. Um, and and I really think that understanding our own condition is obviously a big part of the purpose of the scripture, especially through the Old Testament. What is the condition of man? Well, he screws up. Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, all these guys you know, recorded their shame, but it reveals their condition. And their condition is they need a savior. They need to walk by faith. And here you have that, that whole revelation uh, surrounded in what Rideout calls counsels of grace. I, I, I really liked that statement. 
what counsels of grace do you see throughout all of Scripture? You've got man, he's a moral free agent, but he's responsible because he is a free agent. And you see God constantly reaching out to man to bring him back. And this is the whole reality of Scripture, to take man in his broken condition and to bring him back. And and, and that's just the, the purpose of the Redeemer, right? That's the heart of the Redeemer. Um, it's the hopeless ruin of mankind and the absolute need of a divine Redeemer. I really like that statement. Man is constantly excusing himself, constantly demanding something better, and God is constantly bringing man back to the Redeemer. Need for a Redeemer. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear the beep in the background? Not at the moment. Oh, great. You know, I, this this subject I've been thinking about for a couple of weeks now, God created man in the beginning so that he could have a, a creature just like him who, who he could share who he was with and who would respond in kind. So he creates Adam, and then Adam sins, and all of that relationship goes away, but God never changed his his agenda. He always has been about uh, having having someone with him. It's like the thief on the cross. He told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. The be with me part is the most important part. And uh, someone was saying, I think miles before, that uh, everything in Scripture is designed to reveal Christ to us. Uh, in in the preliminary preliminary study I'm doing on Romans, talking about the righteousness of God is what Romans is really about. Well, God is righteous unto himself. He's perfectly perfect in everything he does, yet he has he desires that there be creatures who are righteous just like he is, so that they can hang out with him on his level. And I think a lot of times, in, in uh, uh, especially the study of Scripture and the, you know all of the gymnastics we go through, we miss that main point that what God is really about. Uh, the thing's beeping. Uh, the the thing that God is really about is to. Uh, have fellowship with those he has created to do just that and that we would find all of our joy and everything in him. Hello. I got to mute you guys again. Hey, no, thank you. Uh, um, yeah, no, we, we've been talking a lot about being created in the image of, of God and why does he want to make a creature like himself. And I think Mike's explanation there is spot on. It's like the whole point is so he can spend time with you. He's not spending time with my dog, Nash. <laughs> you know, he's, he, it's not what he's up to. He's about mankind. He loves man and the whole totality of, of the purpose of scripture is he doesn't glorify man. He glorifies himself, but he does it through redemption 
He does it through a redemptive act. He does it through grace. He does it through the mercy. So the grace that that sustains us and the mercy that um, the mercy that delivers us, right? And he's he's about sustaining and delivering. And um, every single turn, God is interested in spending time with us. And he was interested in spending time with Noah and David and Abraham amidst all their various trials and, and uh, human conditions. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Um, I'm going to close maybe just a few minutes early, if that's okay. And we'll we'll wrap up. Mike, did you have any other thoughts here? Yeah, I just got a call from the police. They recovered my car. Well, I'm glad I prayed for you this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I'm just no. kidding. <clears throat> so, is it in good shape? Did it get? I have no idea. It's in the, it's in the Denver pound. I gotta go get. Somebody's gotta go get it today. So. Oh man. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's pray. We'll break a little early today. Um Father, how we thank you that uh really your whole purpose is not to to glorify us, but to show how you want to be glorified through the redemptive work of uh ultimately the Lord Jesus that uh, you created us in your image uh, with personhood so that we could know you as a person. And so, Lord, we just pray that we would continue to to recognize where you're designing fellowship in our life and where we're not having that, um, that we could be honest with ourselves just like those Old Testament characters throughout the Scripture um, who found themselves in a lot of difficult situations, but yet ultimately believing and having faith in the God who would redeem them and sustain them through grace. And so, Father, we just pray that for ourselves. We pray that uh, we, as folks get ready for the, the Christmas uh, events tonight and the party and the time that we have to fellowship together, Lord, that um, we would just have a, a great evening together and ultimately, Lord, enjoy the fellowship that is is in the body. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.